morning, church. Welcome. If you're here for the first time, uh, we are glad you're here. Uh, I hope that you walked into this building and you could just sense the peace of God here because it is, it is here in his present, man, through that worship service, just, uh, just taking comfort in the fact that God wants to just to meet us here. Again, how, what a good reminder that is for each one of us. And so we are in the second season, uh, second, I'm sorry, second week of, uh, of our series on uh, uh, our Advent series called In the Waiting. And uh, it's really a series that is focused on everything that we just sang and worshiped about of finding the peace of God, right? And, and finding contentment in him. That's the season that we've been in as a church family these last few weeks. So again, we're glad you're here. And uh, I think just with where we've been this morning so far and just, uh, just experiencing the depths of God's presence and uh, that beautiful Advent reading, I just, I want to jump into the deep end kind of on this message this morning. So uh, I just want to ask you a question, and as I ask this question, I just kind of want it to just kind of marinate in the back of your head throughout this message, but uh, it's just a simple question, but have you ever felt the feeling that life perhaps hasn't gone the way that you planned? That life hasn't gone the way that you planned? That you've had maybe different dreams and visions for your life, and maybe some of those things haven't come to full fruition. And maybe because of that, it's caused a little bit of disappointment, maybe even discouragement in your life. Well, last October, I had the opportunity to uh, go out to uh, the desert in West Texas and to participate in a, uh, in a songwriting retreat. I had a friend who is a part of a singer-songwriters group from artists all over the country, uh, Grammy-nominated artists, um, touring, uh, recording artists, all sorts of folks. And, uh, and it's an experience where they go out for a few days, technology-free, and, uh, and spend a few days really just focusing on honing the craft of songwriting. I had a friend who's a part of this group, and uh, he had signed up to go. He had paid for the thing, but couldn't make it. And so in last minute, he offered me a spot. And I said, Lord, you know my budget. You better believe I am going because this thing is paid for. I had the opportunity to go be a part of this uh, incredible experience. Um, but it came at the perfect time. You see, it actually came in a time where I had been asking a lot of the Lord of saying, what do you want to do with this gift of music that I have? And there was some longing and desire in my heart and some prayers that I was praying of saying, I, I want to use music as more of a, of a, of a means. I, I love leading worship for our church and that, but, but, but I want to I be able to take music out into the streets, out into beyond the church walls to connect with people outside the church, to, to share your hope, Jesus. And so as I was praying those things, this opportunity came and I took advantage of it. And so I went out uh, about eight hours way out West Texas into the desert and, uh, you know, eight hours in the car, uh, I was just doing a lot of just reflection, a lot of thinking. And if I'm really honest with you, I was uh, wrestling with some own disappointment in my life, some own missed expectations, wrestling with the thought that, Lord, I kind of thought I would be a little bit further ahead than where I'm at right now. You ever had that feeling? Yeah, you kind of fall into the trap of starting to look sideways and look at your peers and say, man, this person's got a better job or got a better, better money, more money, a bigger house, right? And you start to kind of start to compare. And it can cause discontentment and discouragement. And I was wrestling through some of that. And I was feeling that. Lord, I thought maybe I'd be a little bit further ahead than where I'm at. And as I was driving through the desert and just beautiful topography, I love desert topography. And as I was just driving through the mountains and, and just listening to the Lord, I just sensed him just speak this word and just this reminder to me, Josiah, life is a slow bloom. Life is a slow bloom. And as I looked at the scenery around me and the flowers and all of that, of just being reminded that 
there are seeds of hope that are planted in our hearts and, and sometimes it takes a little while for those things that come to fruition. But we're called to wait on the Lord. We're called to wait on the Lord. You see, God longs to meet us in our waiting. Just like we've sang about this morning, just like we've been learning so far in this series. He longs to meet us in our disappointment, our missed expectations, our hurts, our longings. And he longs to bring encouragement and comfort to us. Pastor Ryan taught us last week in this series kickoff, he taught us this really important truth that waiting, it's never wasted. Our waiting is never wasted by God. See, Jesus redeems our waiting, as we're going to learn this morning, so that our faith in him, that it may be strengthened, that our resolve may be strengthened, and we may be people who live day by day with eternity in mind. So we'll be studying Luke chapter 2 this morning. If you've got your Bibles, your Bible apps, go ahead and open up to that. We'll be studying Luke chapter 2, 22, verses 38. And we're going to be studying specifically the story of two old saints, how they patiently waited on a promise of God to unfold in their lives. And my hope this morning is by studying the example of Simeon and Anna that we're going to learn how to be patient in our own waiting. We're going to learn to be people who love the presence of God and can sit in his presence patiently. We're going to take a look at a few verses that will kind of help us set some of the context for the story that we'll be studying, and then we'll jump into the story. I'm going to pause really quick and just pray for us. Lord, thank you just so much for how you're meeting us here this morning. Lord, how you're speaking to us. Thank you for your heart that longs to encourage us, to comfort us. Jesus, you truly are the best friend that we have. And so uh, have your way. Let us see you more clearly, Jesus. Let us trust you more deeply this morning as we read your word and the truth about who you are. We love you. And all God's people said, amen. amen. So Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 22, it reads this. It says, And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jer Jerusalem to present, present him to the Lord. And as is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two pigeons. So we're going to pause right there. And we're kind of getting a little bit of the context here for what's happening. You see, at the time of this presentation of Jesus in the temple, he was around 40 days old little over a month old. I know we got actually some babies here in the room that are right around that time frame. So little baby Jesus, just a little over a month old, makes his appearance on the scene. And what's actually happening here is it's important to note that there's actually three aspects of Old Testament law that are being observed. Okay, now you may have come here and you're like, man, I came here to hear a happy jolly Christmas message. Why is this guy talking about Old Testament law? It's really important for us, and I think it's important just to set the context of what we're studying. Because the reality of is these three, test, these three aspects of Old Testament law, the circumcision of Jesus, which is mentioned in verse 21, the purification of Mary, which is mentioned in verse 22, and then finally the presentation of Jesus from Mary and Joseph in verse 23. The reason why these things matter is because 
Mary and Joseph, they were obeying and they were following the Old Testament law. Now listen, Galatians 4, 4 through 5, it says this. It says, but when the fullness of time had come, this is this time of Jesus arriving on the scene, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Amen? This journey to the cross that Jesus took This journey to the cross, it wasn't just about the destination. It was about the journey. It wasn't just about the sin atoning work that he would accomplish on the cross. It was about arriving as an infant and actually seeing the fulfillment of law begin to happen just eight days into his journey here on earth. Do we get that? It's powerful truth to recognize. Like Christ the Messiah, he arrives on the scene and because of his parents' obedience, thank God that, that he gave Mary and Joseph his parents who were faithful. But because of their faithfulness, Jesus starts here to fulfill the law so that we might be redeemed from the law. Isn't that pretty cool? As an eight, 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 like 40-day-old baby that he starts to accomplish all of these things in fulfilling the law. So it's just a good truth to remind us in. This slow bloom of the gospel, it begins early in Jesus' arrival. And day by day throughout Jesus' life, Day by day, year by year, he lives lives a sinless and perfect life so that we might know his love, so we might know him. I just find that so comforting for us. So let's get to the story this morning. Luke chapter 2, we're going to jump to uh, verse 25 here. It says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms, and he blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your words, for my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Verse 33, and his father and his mother, they marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phenuel, of the tribe of Asher. She would have advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years uh, from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up, At that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. So we pick up this story, and we should just be asking this question, what does God want to teach us about patient waiting through this lens of Simeon and Anna's story? And the first point that I want to make here this morning is that Jesus, in order to help us live patiently, Jesus, he meets us in our powerlessness. Jesus, he meets us in our powerlessness. See, Simeon and Anna, they have a few different things in common. 
The first thing is, is that they're mentioned as being devout and righteous people. They were people of good character. They had good reputation. Simeon directly is referenced as being righteous and devout, a faithful man who did his duties, who obeyed the law and followed God and took it serious. And then there was Anna, who also was devout in her own sense. She made a lifestyle, right, of fasting and prayer. And then she would have also been considered righteous because of her position as recognized as a prophetess. So they were people of good character, of good reputation. And the next thing that they have in common is their age. It's mentioned here that they're both of old age. Simeon is actually near death, right? He sees this promise of the Lord and he says, I'm ready to depart in peace. This guy was pretty old, okay? And then Anna is mentioned as being uh, 84 years old, which was well over the life expectancy of the time. And the reason why this matters is because some of the truth in, in the reality of aging and getting older is the more older you get, the more dependent on others that you become. See, there's a component of powerlessness that's at play in the lives of Simeon and Anna. They are reaching really the end of themselves, which is precisely when Jesus shows up. The point is this, is that grace most often appears when we have no resources of our own to meet the need. Grace appears when we have no resources of our own to meet the need. This old age had put them in a place of dependency on the Lord, of waiting with patience year after year and depending on the Lord to fulfill his promise. And listen, Anna, she was in a tough spot. It says here in the passage that she lost her husband pretty early into the marriage, after seven years. So she lived decade after decade as a widow. And she could have used this circumstance of disappointment, which I'm sure was the case in her life. And she could have used this as a point of, of negativity, of despair, of hopelessness, of bitterness, but she doesn't. She uses this position of powerlessness actually to be a position of strength because she leans into the presence of God. She uses this position of powerlessness to plant herself in the presence of God by fasting and praying and making a lifestyle around that. Isn't that powerful? Think of it, just this, this random character that just kind of shows up in the, in the book of Luke. We don't really know much about her. But all it says is that she is a woman who's devoted to fasting and prayer. I wish I showed up in the Bible in just that way. Like he was a man devoted to fasting and prayer. It's so powerful, her testimony here, even though it's simple. She trusted the Lord. Simeon, he could have been retired somewhere, playing golf, maybe fishing. I don't know. He was pretty old, right? He could have lived with this mentality of like, I've aged out of the priesthood. This is a younger minister's responsibility now, but no, he waited on the Lord. He was devout. He had conviction. He lived with it. He had a promise from the Lord, and he served faithfully to the very end of his days. He was patient. He was patient to just trust and rely on God's timeline. Each of us, we have the responsibility in this room to choose whether our own positions of powerlessness are going to be positions of strength or weakness. See, weakness is to rely on ourselves. It's to rely on our own gifts, our own talents, to, to kind of just pull through and get through hard times. That's weakness. Strength is dependence on Jesus. It's trust in him. 
It's faith in him. He's going to keep his promises that he is going to come through. There was a season of my life where uh, I actually, uh, I've shared this testimony before here, but I actually had to uh, step away actually from, from music and, and worship leading for a season. My wife and I were uh, doing a lot of ministry in, in our previous church in Houston. We were pioneering uh, missional communities and and doing a lot of outreach, and there was just, there was a lot on our plates in that season, and I felt like music was just kind of this thing where I had dreams, I had aspirations, I actually had a promise from God that he spoke to me in 2017 that I was holding on to and waiting to come to fruition, but it just wasn't working. It's kind of like, have you ever heard the term like fitting like a square peg through a round hole, and I felt like it was just every, every turn that I made, every way that, you know, it was just, it was kind of just frustration with this gift. And so I had to kind of come to the end of myself in that. And I remember through just getting a lot of different counsel and a lot of prayer, I came back to the place. I just said, Lord, I just need to put this gift back on the altar and I need to step away from serving for a period. Not of a place of like bitterness or or anything like that, but of just saying like, Lord, I want this gift to, to be used how you want it to be used. And I stepped back and it was hard to do, but it was worth it. Because the point is, is that it wasn't about my giftings. It wasn't about my talents. It wasn't about my calling. It was about getting to know Jesus. I needed to know Jesus in that season. I needed to know his promises for me. I needed to know his character. I just needed to know him. And sometimes there's distractions and maybe even good things in our lives that can become distractions that actually keep us from getting to know him. This position of powerlessness, it, it puts us in a place where we put our dependence on him. We put our total dependence on him. Well, it was about a year, almost to the date, where I stepped away and I, and I, and I stepped back from worship leading that I got a call from uh, Pastor Ryan's wife, Lindsay. We used to work together, and, uh, and I remember she gave me a call, and she was like, hey, uh, so our, our church is looking for like a worship pastor out here, right? And kind of the rest is history. It was cool to wait on that promise and to see God fulfill it in a year, which was a relatively short time. And so you may say in your seat, sitting there saying here in that testimony, like, okay, cool. Yeah, you waited for a year. That's good for you. But here's the truth that unites each one of us in this room. We are all in a season of waiting. We are all in a season of waiting, not for things that, 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 that speak to our own calling or identity. We are all in a season of waiting on Jesus to come back. We're waiting on a season of Jesus to come back. And guess what, guys? He is coming back. And he's coming back soon. He is coming back soon. Scripture tells us he's coming back like a thief in the night. We don't know the hour. We don't know the day. But we have to hold on to this promise. He is coming back. And the question is, when he comes back, how is he going to find us? Is he going to find us as people who are dependent on him? Who rely on him? Who position ourselves in prayer and fasting and seeking his presence? Or is he going to find people who are relying on our own strength? And not really taking it serious that the promise of him coming back is going to be fulfilled. Powerlessness, it positions us to patiently rely on Jesus' grace to sustain us. If you don't have peace in your life, if there are unfulfilled dreams and longings and promises and desires, if you're frustrated, if you're discontent, you're in the right place, first and foremost. It's okay to be wrestling with that. Receive the grace of Jesus this morning. But if that's how you've come in this morning, perhaps you've missed Jesus in the waiting. Perhaps the destination has become more important than just the journey of getting to know him. It's about him.
about learning to love him. It's about abiding with Jesus, friends. And the time that we get to do that, the time that we get to invest here on this earth and just getting to know him and his character is very short. It is very short. So we're called to maximize this season of waiting so that we can know him. Life is just a slow bloom and just trusting in his promises. Leads me to my second point, is that patient waiting, it produces hope. Patient waiting, it produces hope. Now, my wife and I, we have four kids, four um, just incredibly precious and absolutely wild children. If you've served in kids ministry, you've probably experienced the wildness and I should probably apologize to you at this point. Um, but they are just, they're, they're so much fun and, and I've just loved this experience of, of being a father. But there's been a, a special moment that I've looked forward to at each of the birth of our children. And it's the moment where my parents come into town, they live out in Florida. And so uh, it's when they fly out here and, uh, and they get to meet my child. It's always just a special moment. Right? But there's actually a really unique, specific moment uh, that happens, and it's this moment here that's behind me in the picture. It's when uh, it usually happens within the first few hours of my dad meeting uh, one of our children, and he kind of goes off, finds a quiet part of the house that's gotten a little harder to do since we've got four now, but he's intentional in this moment, and I always just look forward to this moment. I anticipate it because it's a beautiful moment. It's a tender moment, and I see my dad holding my child, and he bends over, pulls that baby close, and he whispers a blessing in its ear. And there's just this powerful moment of seeing a grandfather bless his grandchild and this whole concept of legacy and God's fulfilled promises. It's powerful. It's tender. It's sweet. That same tenderness in the story is put on display when old Simeon, he's holding Jesus. Quick little interesting note. He's actually the only person explicitly mentioned in scripture of having the honor and the privilege of holding baby Jesus. I'm sure other people held him, but he's the one person who's mentioned holding baby Jesus. This old man, patiently waiting through disappointments, through challenges, waiting on the promise of God. And in the moment, he receives peace because he's holding the Prince of Peace. Jesus, he wants to reveal himself to you this morning. In your patient waiting, Jesus, he wants to give you hope. Because Simeon, he longed for the Messiah. He longed for him. He anticipated his coming. And he was eager for this moment. The question that we should just ask ourselves in life, in this life, what are we hoping for? What are we hoping for, church? Are we a people who live with eternity in mind, knowing that there is going to be a day very soon where we get to sit with Jesus, where we get to be embraced by him, where we get to look the Savior in the eye, where all wrongs are, are righted, where he wipes away every tear? That moment is coming. It's coming. What are we hoping for? Hebrews 11.1, 1, it reads this. It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. See, when we have faith in God's word, there has to be evidence of hope in our life. When we have faith, there has to be evidence of hope, and the evidence in hope is shown in how we live. I love this quote from American writer and politician Claire Booth Luce. She said this, 
about hope. She said, there are no hopeless situations. There are only people who have grown hopeless about them. There are no hopeless situations. Only people who have grown hopeless about them. As we look at this story of Simeon in his waiting, in his patient waiting, this wasn't easy. We know from the context, Israel was going through a prolonged period of silence from God. It had been 400 years since they had last heard from one of their prophets. This is a period of great pain. Not only was there silence, they were under uh, foreign occupation, and there was just a lot of suffering. They weren't living how God had intended or how he'd promised. But Simeon, even in the midst of these tough circumstances, he had faith that the promise was coming. He had faith, and this faith that led him to a place of peace. Do you notice that when Jesus comes and he meets Jesus in the temple, it's not this huge, dramatic moment. It's just a small little baby showing up on the scene from a poor family. And Simeon's ready for it. He's ready because his faith is just simply in, in God's plan that's working. It's just simply in God's faith in God's plan that's working in this moment. He didn't need this huge dramatic moment. All he needed to experience was the promise of God fulfilled, no matter how it came. And Anna's hope, she responded to Jesus much in the same as Simeon did, in the same way. Just his sheer existence was enough for her to recognize God's redemptive hand. Sometimes when we pray our prayers, we're waiting for like things to be written in the sky, right? We're waiting for God to speak through this massive dramatic moment when all we're called to do is just like Jesus said, have faith the size of a mustard seed. Simple trust, simple faith that he is who he says he is and that he is gonna keep his promises like he says he will. See, I didn't tell you this about my dad, but in his own story, he's experienced unbelievable heartbreak. He's the youngest of four children, and his own father abandoned his family and walked out, never had a relationship with his kids again. He actually walked out on Christmas morning, abandoned four kids and his wife on Christmas. What kind of man does that? And the pain that that caused my dad, it could have taken root and it could have caused bitterness. It could have ruined our whole family. I maybe we wouldn't have even been here if he had chosen that path. But my dad chose to put his faith in Jesus. He chose to put his faith in Jesus. And when I have that moment where I get to see my dad hold my kids, it's that reminder of fulfilled promises. It's that reminder that God always delivers. He always comes through and he has a better plan for us. When we choose to put our faith in him, he can redeem and restore even the most broken situations. I remember hearing a testimony recently from one of our sisters in the church, and it was such a beautiful testimony. We had discussed, I think it was at a worship and prayer night, uh, about the power of uh, forgiveness. And she took that word and she went and she put it into practice. And she just, she shared this beautiful testimony with me about how she got to put that into practice in her own family. And it's powerful. It's powerful. Because when we're obedient to Jesus, when we do what he says, tells us to do, he comes through. He keeps his promises. And his redemptive plan is just, it's, it's so evident among us. There are no hopeless situations. There's only people who have grown hopeless about them. 
Some of you may have come in here this morning, you may have lost hope because your trust in Jesus, maybe it just has been shaken. Maybe a challenging marriage, maybe an unexpected challenging across the country move, a change in career that maybe hasn't gone as planned. Maybe those things have caused you to doubt, have caused you to question. And maybe in that own doubting, you're trying to, 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 to run ahead and you're trying to figure things out in your own strength and it's only exasperating the problem. It's only causing more tension and more frustration, more despair and more disappointment. Friends, Jesus is calling you back to a place of patient waiting because he wants hope to be birthed in you this morning. He wants hope to take root in your life. And I think there's any encouragement for us, it's to be a Simeon. To be someone who is so confident of the call of God in his life that when this promise was fulfilled, he was ready to die in peace. Are you that confident of the call of God on your life? That when your moment comes to meet your maker, you're like, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. I have fought the good fight. I have been obedient to Jesus. I'm ready to go. See, this slow bloom process of life, it gives us the grace we need ultimately to patiently wait, to patiently grow and to patiently abide in Christ. We're going to do things a little bit different this morning. We're actually going to pause here. I'm going to invite the worship team back up. And uh, we're actually going to break for communion. It's the second Sunday of the month. And we've got an opportunity to take communion together. And as I was preparing this message, I thought, what better place than right here in the message? I still got another short point to preach, okay? So I'll come back up afterward. But what a better place than right here? Amidst maybe recognizing some of our own disappointment, some of our own discouragement, some of maybe our own tendency to rush ahead. Maybe it's a tendency to not really pay attention to the voice of Jesus in your life. There's an opportunity that we have, church family, right now to come back to the gospel of Jesus. Jesus longs to meet us here. He already has. His presence is, is here with us. For some of you, your heart's already been stirred. Your affections has already been reignited this morning. Praise God. But for others, you just need to be reminded life's a slow bloom. And God wants to put a deposit of hope in your life this morning. A seed of hope. That his promises will be fulfilled. That while there's pain, while there's trials, while there's tragedies, those things last just for a night. But joy always comes in the morning. And there's going to be no greater joy than when Jesus returns. Our team's going to pass out the elements this week. Usually we, uh, we come forward to receive them, but I want this moment to be reflective. As we put into practice this idea of just waiting, be still in the presence of the Lord. The worship team is going to lead us and just want to invite you to just sit back, meditate on the words, think of the lyrics, come back to the gospel, think of all that Jesus has done for you. On the very night of his betrayal, Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this was my body broken for you. He did the same thing with the wine that his blood spilled out for you. Take the elements as you feel led during this time. But come back to Jesus. Come back to the gospel.
I'm not going to lie, I'm a little bit just emotional. Um, Because I've got my own disappointments. (laughs) You've got them. Jesus is enough. His gospel is enough. The difference between Simeon and Anna and us is that Jesus already came. They waited all those years for him to be revealed, but he has been revealed to us. He has been revealed to us. And my third and just final closing point, and it's really short, so hang with me, but it's this, is that hope, hope, it grows in the sharing. See, Anna had made a point of talking about Jesus to all who were waiting for redemption. She didn't view Jesus as a secret revelation that was exclusive to her, but she recognized God's hope is intended it's to reach outward. She didn't wait for Christ's life to unfold before spreading the word. She shared. She shared about Jesus. He was everything to her. And I see the evidence in this church family that he's everything to us. Week after week in life groups and and, and, and as a worship team, just every area that I'm involved in in ministry here, I see the evidence of just this love for Jesus in this church. Let's be real with him this morning. Let's be real with him this season. There might be disappointments. But friends, he's coming back again. And what we do here and now in the in-between, it matters. And so as we remind ourselves this morning in this communion moment of, of the significance of the gospel, let us not lose the wonder that, that hope it grows when we share. When we share this good news of Jesus to others. The reality of it is, is that you've come in here And there are people, even in your midst, who are lonely this morning, who are hurting, who are discouraged. And I want to give us a practical, as a church family, I want to give us a practical, bring people back to the gospel this season. There's even people in your own family who are walking through discouragement, who are walking through loneliness. Bring them back to the gospel. Bring them back to Jesus. We have the opportunity to do that in a season that is well-marked with loneliness, that is hard for people. I just wanna encourage you to see these opportunities as opportunities to plant seeds of hope in people's life. And the next time you're with somebody and you're sitting with them and they're, you know, kind of just letting it all vent, Ask them where they're experiencing Jesus in the midst of that. Just ask them that. Bring them back to the gospel. It's powerful enough. We don't have to have the magic questions and and the right analysis of their situations. Just ask them where they're experiencing Jesus. Bring them back to him. Because our world is in despair. It is hurting and it is lonely and people need Jesus now more than ever. Let's be people who plant seeds of hope in others' hearts because that's what Jesus means to us.